Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for Thursday, August 25th, 2022. I'm Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined, as always, by Mike Tanier. Today, we have Rivers McCown here, and we are going to be doing Football Outsiders Almanac previews of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. But first, I want to tell you that Uh, Our show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, and you should play in their best ball leagues and use code OUTSIDERS for a $100 deposit match, and you can win uh, a good amount of money. It's like over a million dollars or something and playing best ball, and you want to get in on it now because there's only two weeks left to play best ball because two weeks from today, the actual season starts with real live football. We are two oh, yeah. weeks away. I will say there's lots of daily fantasy games there as well. There are baseball games and things like that. So if you miss two weeks from now and don't use the outsider promo code, you can still go to under, Underdog Fantasy and play just about every variation on fantasy football known to humankind. Yes, it was through Underdog, uh, Underdog Fantasy's Twitter today that I learned that that kid from Gonzaga broke his foot. Oh. I, I don't remember his name. The guy Chet. who took the two-pick in Chet. the draft. let's go. Chet, uh, Chet something. Yep, Chet Holmgren. He um, was the number two pick in the draft, and now he's out for his rookie season. Like, can, I mean, imagine like the NFL, the NFL equivalent. Um, I mean, it's really it's not quite like this year. I don't even think it would be an NFL. The NFL equivalent would be like if you had a quarterback taken second and he was like out for his rookie year with a Liz Frank. Like that'd be terrible. Almost like Zach Wilson, but the previous year. Right. The number right. two pick overall. Yep. But not because Wilson's out for like four or five weeks. This guy's out for the whole season. Nothing so, but great news coming out of the Jets-Giants practices today, by the way. Nothing <laughs> but oh, yeah, Jermaine Johnson went down with an injury. Today. Jermaine Johnson went down with an injury, and you know both quarterbacks apparently look wild. Uh, my favorite just came across is that Daniel Jones threw to Kenny Galladay and Brees Hall intercepted it. So it's kind of like the like somebody has to do something good on this rep. <laughs> Three people having the worst camp in the world. Somebody had to do something good. And, and, and Bryce Hall, excuse me, not Bryce Hall, Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall is the running back who apparently they say may have like not won the number one running back job. They may start Michael Carter and, and have Bryce Hall as the backup. Maybe which... Bryce can play cornerback. Well, Bryce plays cornerback. There's Brees and Bryce. And... Quinnen and Quincy Williams. And... Right. And, and, and both uh, Michael Carters. Both Michael Carters. Yep. Freaking Jets. The Jets are a very confusing team. The other, by the way, news we should mention, obviously, because this is really big news, is Tyron Smith from Dallas effectively being out for the year. He may be able to return in December, but speaking of the Jets, he has basically the same type of injury that Mekhi Becton was knocked out for the year because of the broken bone in his knee. Maybe it's not as bad for Tyron Smith, and that's why they're saying he might be able to come back in December. But like we know that on-off splits can be very noisy in the NFL, but the on-off splits or the like in-game out, like, you know, the weeks he's active versus not active for Dallas, for Tyron Smith are very strong. Like a couple of years ago, I don't remember the numbers, but they were really strong. Last year, he was injured for five games. And in those five games, Dallas was 16th in offensive DVOA. Yeah. 
and they were like a top five the rest of the year. Like the difference with and without Tyron Smith is remarkable. He's going to be a huge loss for them. In the past, they had guys like Ty. I think his name is Ty Nishki was a backup. They had other backups. Yeah. I think people are saying, well, it's Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith, speaking of confusing, uh, has been playing left guard since the start of camp. I think he might have taken some mini camp snaps at left tackle. He was yep. competing for the starting guard job. What they'll probably do, what I'm guessing they'll do, is they'll put uh, McGovern back at guard and move Tyler Smith over the left tackle. Now, among other things, like not playing there the entire uh, training camp, he, I believe, led the NCAA in holding penalties last yeah, year. Yeah, he's a penalty machine. And playing left tackle, he's going to have more penalties than at left guard. No and had more in the preseason, too, right? I think he had like three or four in one game. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. His entire blocking technique is – I mean, and he's a monster. He's incredibly talented. I can see that. But, like, it's just – he grabs. He just grabs. So it's going to be – until he figures that out, which might happen by week one, who knows, it's going to be a lot of first and 20. I think, uh, in Dallas for Dak Prescott and company. Well, it's more fuel for my wonderful Philadelphia Eagles projection, right? Like, uh, I've been going on now shows talking about the Eagles as my Super Bowl pick based on their schedule, and their schedule just got easier. Yep. What about Larry Tunsil? in value. <laughs> what about Larry, Larry Tunsil, Rivers? Is he available from Houston? Uh, I mean, in theory, sure. In actuality, I know that, you know, his the way his uh, contract is structured – is extremely weird and like the Texans would save like $1 million would be off from him. So like okay. that, that's, it's like really a, a rough situation. So I think he'll probably stay. Yeah. So not available and JC Treader now not available retired today. Yes. Which will come up, I guess, when we start talking about Cleveland a little bit more, yeah. but, uh, and you know, Isaiah Wynn would be the other name. He's a right tackle. Is he not? So, well, Isaiah Wynn has played left tackle in the past. They moved him to right tackle this year, and now he may not even win the right tackle job. But he's been a left tackle in the past, and he is available. He's no doubt he's available. Right. The Cowboys don't do these moves anymore. We always include the Cowboys will be big players in this. They haven't been big players in a lot of moves lately. Most of the big Cowboys moves, like Amari Cooper, have been out the door. They have not brought a lot of splashy people in the door in recent years. Yeah, they even were like tried like one of those rumored players for Bobby Wagner, and just nothing right. happened. And they were like, "Well, we're trying to save our money, sorry." And uh, yeah, now they got like what the second most cap space in the NFL, and they have a roster right. that kind of needs some more talent. Yeah, well, I mean, if Laramie Tantunsil is available, that's someone worth spending your money on. Isaiah Wynn, uh, well, wouldn't cost that much because he's on the fifth year of a rookie deal. He, he, you know, it's just I don't know what's going on with him in New England, but they feel like he doesn't. Fit anymore fit the new fit the new block so like you know what dallas needs to do to replace their left tackle with injury issues is another left tackle with injury issues probably not but right this hurts them there's no doubt this hurts yep. them no question right all right let's get to the afc north because that's the division that we mean to cover today and we are going to start with the pittsburgh steelers finally in the post ben roethlisberger era and I will point out that for both Pittsburgh and Cleveland, this is a new simulation. These numbers are not exactly the same as the ones from Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. This is a new simulation that uh, now accounts for Deshaun Watson uh, suspension. And because of the way I did it is a little less conservative than the previous, uh, uh, the previous um, simulation. So for example, 
in the book simulation, Buffalo was the best team at 10.2 wins on average. And in this new simulation, Buffalo is the best team with 10.6 wins on average. So that has to do with the way the simulation works. Not it, It's not that Buffalo got better or that any teams got worse or anything like that. It just has to do with this was a simpler simulation and it gives us a little bit more spread in the teams. But not with Pittsburgh and Cleveland because Pittsburgh is at 8.1 mean wins, pretty close to 500. And you'll discover in a few minutes that Cleveland is pretty similar. So tough schedule. We like their defense to rebound. But obviously the questions that a lot of people are asking about is their offense. Will Kenny Pickett win the job away from Mitchell Trubisky? And if so, is he really any better than what Mitchell Trubisky would be? I, uh, I like the question of the week that we posed. Uh, oh, yes. The question of the week. I forgot the question of the week. Yes. Question of the week. How many games will Kenny Pickett start this year? Yes. A, 16 or 17 games. B, 10 to 15 games. I think it's 10 to 15 or 9 to 15. C, two to eight games, or D, like just one or two games? I like this question because it, it it separates us a little from the who's going to start week one and enters more into the reality that it's probably going to be a fluid situation for the yeah. Steelers. And I, I just want to throw a little bit of their schedule at everyone for context. It begins Bengals-Patriots, and then Browns, and then Jets. But then you get Bills-Buccaneers. So it's kind of like... Hard, hard. I mean, obviously the Patriots have a hard defense, whatever I might think of their offense. Browns, I think we're going to talk about hard defense. Then you get this law with the Jets, and then you get Bills and Buccaneers, and they need no introduction. If I'm trying to decide what to do with Kenny Pickett, I'm not putting him through that gauntlet based on the idea that he ran a two-minute drill and he crushed it, <laughs> you know, in a couple of preseason games. So Maybe at are- Miami in week seven, yeah. or even better, after the bye week, start with two home games. Yeah, right. the, the bye week is what I've seen, like the athletic beat for this uh, Mark Caboli talk about as, 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 a, as a probable scenario here. Right. So that's what the what, what, what were our options there? What was B? That was like nine to B, B was like nine to I don't remember. I don't have it right in front of me. B was like nine to 15. <laughs> nice. I think I made C was three to eight and D was zero to two. It was nine to 15 for B. Yeah. And I'd go with I'd go with nine for fifteen. That gives the most range of right around the buy, right around what you were saying there with those home games. Where, if he know. starts every game after the week nine buy, that's nine starts. Right. Yep. Any any Mason Rudolph takers out there? <laughs> it, Pass. <laughs> the, the NFL official website tweeted a thing like Mason Rudolph making his case, uh, like for, to the starting up. I mean, really, to whom? According to whom? The but they have like a highlight from him, you know. The the other question about the Pittsburgh offense, based on what I've heard in the preseason, is George Pickens, greatest yes. receiver ever, or second greatest receiver ever after Romeo Dobbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something we didn't really get into in the book very much because we didn't get we didn't have the hype train going yet. But uh, yeah, George Pickens really separating himself has looked really good in the preseason. You know, I think he has a touchdown or two, uh, tearing up the training camp stuff. And this was something that was kind of like in the range of outcomes, I feel like, for this team from the beginning. Um, they picked him high. Obviously, he missed a lot of last year with, I think, a torn ACL, but yeah. uh, clearly showed that he belonged 
uh, in his earlier seasons. And apparently at full health, uh, looking really good. Um, definitely something that makes me a little bit more optimistic about their offense. He's a strange case because you, you don't normally have guys whose best college season is their freshman year. Right. But that was clearly his best college season because the sophomore year was the COVID year. They only played eight games. Then last year he was injured. He only had five catches. But as a freshman, he had 727 yards and eight touchdowns, which for freshmen is pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I don't have to be – oh, Vellis Jones. Thank you, Todd Singer. <laughs> don't, have, don't have to be super sold – on Pickens to be sold on Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and, Clay- and Chase Claypool as a one-two-three, yeah. and that's where it comes back. Like, like he doesn't have to come in like Vellis Jones, for example, and like be wide receiver one or two right away. He can come in 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 this role in this particular offense where he's being used situationally. Maybe he's a vertical threat, uh, and Deontay Jones is handling the middle of the field stuff, and the tight end is good, and Najee can run. That part I believe, and that part can get me excited about Pickens as a contributor, not necessarily as the second coming of Jerry Rice. Yeah, Chase Claypool had kind of a rough season last year, yeah. um, but I think I've seen some fantasy analysts talk about him playing in the slot some in the preseason. Maybe that can kind of open up some some more route tree stuff for him because it was very go ball last year, and Ben Roethlisberger go ball plus Chase Claypool not really separating that much was just like a horrible combination for them. Really cost them a lot of points. Did, did, did you see our little kerfuffle yesterday about the 20-plus air yards throws and how Herbert and Ben Roethlisberger threw, like, the same amount of 20-plus air yard throws? Yes. Did they really? Yes, yes <laughs> they did. Yeah. Nate Tice put out there, and it's almost the exact same percentage of 20-plus yard targets, attempts, between the two of them. And, you know, we all lost our collective minds even trying to think about Herbert and last year's Roethlisberger. Uh, but I went to uh, NF, uh, uh, Sports Info Solutions, and I ran the numbers. And um, Justin Herbert complete, completed 27 of them for about 900 yards. And Roethlisberger completed 18 of them for about 600 yards. So That's a difference. Yeah, anybody can throw – I can throw 20 yards. Can I complete a 20-yard pass? No. That's probably the difference between Roethlisberger and Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about the quarterback situation – I can't imagine it's going to be much worse than last year, right? Right? Like, I, Trubisky is not going to be at the bottom of the league if he's the starter. And if they start Pickett over him, then I would guess that Pickett won't be at the bottom of the league either because if Pickett was going to be at the bottom of the league, they wouldn't start him. I mean, obviously, the range of possibilities for Pickett is larger than the range of possibilities for Trubisky because we have, you know, three or four years of Trubisky. We kind of know what he is, which is below average, but... You know, he does have good receivers here. Not a good offensive line. This offensive line, like the days of the really yes, good yeah. Pittsburgh offensive line are long gone. Mm-hmm. But good receivers. Yeah, Barnwell made the point the other day in his piece about uh, teams likely to decline that uh, Roethlisberger doesn't get enough credit for pre-snap, uh, you know, picking the guys out and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So so we might be losing that in, in kind of – our rush to say, hey, this quarterback situation can be much worse. And, and to a point, I understand that. But I, I almost kind of feel like it was a total schism between what Roethlisberger wanted to do and what the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, wanted to do, which is kind of spread the ball around laterally, use read option, you know, that kind of thing. And Roethlisberger just <laughs> is not the quarterback you can do that with at this point in his career. So, yeah, I think, I think it will open up a little bit more. I think I'm a little higher on that offense than some. It'll be really interesting to see if they finally play action a lot because you heard that Canada was going to bring in the play action. 
And then it was the same thing as usual. Pittsburgh just never runs play action compared to other teams, bottom of the league again. And you're like, okay, now that Roethlisberger's gone, like, are they finally going to run some play action? Uh, James Orange asks, what do we make of the difference between pass and rush protection numbers for the Pittsburgh offensive line last year? Was it just about the amount of time that Ben held onto the ball? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you, how do you mean? Cause I mean, that line was not good last year. And I mean, it's still not good now. <laughs> My guess is the pressure rates and the, I don't have the book right. I have the book over there. Okay. I forgot to move the book next to me for the podcast. Um, <laughs> my guess is that the pressure rate and the adjusted sack rate were low, mm-hmm. but the adjusted line yards were also terrible. Right. Because, because okay. uh, ben, yeah. you know, if that's quarterback effect, right? That's Ben getting rid of the ball quickly. Right, right. No, that makes sense. I, thought, I, I was trying to interpret that backwards. And it, it's going to be, I think, I mean, there probably will be more play action, a very lateral, horizontal passing game because that's all you can do with that offensive line you do lose Roethlisberger pre-snap you do gain the ability to get the hell out of the way and throw 20 yards downfield those are two things to gain that you had really lost with Roethlisberger that is exactly what happened by the way I grabbed the book so like let's just take blown block rate as an example blown block rate the Steelers were number two pass blown blocks number 25 run blown blocks so the same with adjusted sack rate was two. Uh, adjusted sack rate was 11. Pressure rate was two. But adjusted line yards was 28. Right. So that that's the effect of the quarterback, and that's the effect of the fact that they threw all this short stuff and Roethlisberger didn't hold on to the ball very long. And, yeah, that's not their offensive line being good at pass blocking. I do wonder the effectiveness of play action when the safeties never have to be deep in any way. Like if you can just say, like, oh, we're going to suck the defense in. But if you have, but if the defense can play within twenty yards all the but time, even does. even a few years ago when Roethlisberger could still throw deep, the Steelers were worse with play action than other teams. It's like very, like it, it's gone on for years and years. Yeah, never liked so, play action. Was never a good check down to the backs thrower either. It was, it was always it was always very vertical. Until and I don't think Pickett's thing is that he doesn't have arm strength. Right, Pickett's thing is that. You know, I mean, I think Derek said, you know, when he gets off platform, he kind of freaks out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. his processing is very, very odd. And something that, you know, I watched a lot of the same tape that Derek did for this, for writing this chapter. <laughs> yeah, you can see Pickett kind of like, you know, his brain can almost break at some points. But, oh, God, that's not what I thought I'd see. And, you know, <laughs> you, you're looking at the, at the preseason stuff and you're seeing, you know, people post on my Twitter. Oh, well, you know. This is a this is a read that even in high school I, I wouldn't have made the read this way. So like he's clearly he's clearly got a ton of talent and there's a high upside, but also there's gonna be a lot of learning going on, I think. There, there's a lot in his fifteen attempts in the preseason that we're all gaga over of everybody running up to the line, basically the fourth stringers for the Broncos, more like the second and a half stringers last week, and they're just being a complete coverage lapse. And yeah sees it, throws it, and that's good. Seeing it, throwing it is good. Getting the team to the line faster than the defense can get ready, those are all positive things, but slow down a, <laughs> slow down a little bit on the evaluation of, 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 of what great processing Kenny Pickett has right now. Their defense is interesting. There's a lot of plexiglass principle in that defensive projection, but I'm not as sanguine about the Steelers' defense as the projections are. I mean, there is 
Obviously, there's T.J. Watt and Cameron Hayward, and there's new talent. Levi Wallace is kind of underrated, the cornerback they picked up from Buffalo, and Larry Okunjobi, and I guess Miles Jack will be better than Schobert. But, um, you know, Devin Bush has never quite – or since he got hurt in 2020, has not lived up to his draft status. Uh, And I don't know about the cornerback depth for this team. Um, But, I mean, there are a lot of good defensive players here. I didn't even mention Mika Fitzpatrick. Right. Yeah, this is this is a team to cross sport uh, compare. This team, this team's defense feels like the Lakers the last couple of years, where you got like LeBron and Anthony Davis, and there's some other people there too. Maybe we'll find <laughs> out. Who knows? <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, like I, I, I did like the, the the signing of the Bills cornerback there. I thought that was a good for Levi uh, Wallace. I thought he was a pretty good player. But uh, at the same time, you're placing Hayden, uh, so that's gone now. And you know, you're kind of relying on a lot of small sample goodness from uh Achilles Witherspoon and yeah. then you then you've got of course the linebacker hole where like Devin Bush may not even beat out Roberts to Spillane to play yes and and you kind of just like throwing in Larry Ogajobi guys like that to try to fix the holes left by uh, uh Stefan to his retirement so I mean yeah it, it could work out I mean clearly I'm not betting against TJ Watt having a great season because having a great season that sort of thing but there's a lot of holes to pick on if you're an offensive coordinator Right. And some of them are right up the middle. So if you're not in this dire situation where you've got to pass and they can pin their ears back on the pass rush and you can stay balanced, then you can run between the tackles then you can stay ahead of the sticks. And I don't know if this is an offense on the other side that is going to be able to either catch up or, uh, you know, put a team back on its, uh, you know, on its heels that much. No, anything they do is sort of depends on their defense being really good. Like, the way the projections are, right, the range of defensive projections is smaller than the range of offensive projections. Yeah. So even though they have the second highest defensive projection, they're still only projected to be an average team because, you know, that the second number two offensive projection matters a lot more than the number two defensive projection. Plus, they have a really tough schedule, like the entire division except Baltimore has really tough schedules. Uh, you know, Baltimore just kind of lucked out because of who finished in fourth place in the various AFC divisions last year. But, yeah, but yeah. you know, these guys have a tough schedule this year. And, I mean, first of all, playing in the division is tough because we think Baltimore is going to be better and we think that Cincinnati is going to be better than they were during the regular season. But, um, you know, <laughs> then Pittsburgh has to play Philadelphia as the 17th game, and they have to play the NFC South, which means Tampa Bay, and we think New Orleans is going to be really good. And the AFC East means you have to play Buffalo, and New England and Miami should be reasonable. So, it, and, it is, and it is, and it is top heavy with the Patriots, Buccaneers, and Bills. Like I said earlier, all near the top of the schedule. Yeah. So your breaks, like oh, we got the Panthers. Like that's way that's in December 18th. So the chance yeah. that you, it's like you get delivered a knockout early in the season mm-hmm. is potential. It's like, oh, let's switch to rebuilding. Let's just throw picket to the wolves out there, et cetera, et cetera. That's one of the scenarios for this team. Yeah. Key players for me for this team, uh, Tyson Alalu. You mentioned the, the the run defense, Mike, uh, potentially being rough. Uh, he had a really great year and then missed almost all of 2021. He needs to come back as like another impact player for them. And also, I think Kevin Dotson, a left guard. Like they could, they they brought in uh, James Daniels and they brought in Mason Cole to play the interior of that line. And they're like upgrades, but they really need like three solid players in the middle. They can't have two good ones and then 
you know, one that's just kind of shaky. Yeah. And we haven't seen a lot of great things out of that offensive line in the preseason. And I think their, yeah. their starters have been playing. And they, they, Kendrick Green, I think, almost got like benched as part of the second string. Like he just yeah. looked awful and got thrown around. It was it was brutal. Yeah. I felt so bad watching that. <laughs> do you have any interesting props for us, Mike? I've got some props. I do not know if they're interesting. Uh, <laughs> the, this, so, again, these are alternate win totals. If you go to a, a very robust uh, sports book like DraftKings, for example, you will find alternate win totals, not just the regular over-under, but – other over-unders with, uh, you know, more action on them, more juice. For example, Steelers over eight wins at plus 160. I mean, our simulation would suggest to take that. Yeah. Uh, what is their actual over-under number, seven? Seven. It's seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, our numbers our numbers would suggest to take the over eight for plus 160 because you get for the plus 160. Eight. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm pretty comfortable with it because, again, I – on the one hand, I'm like, ah, oh, the tough schedule, everything else like that. For, you know, Tomlin to manufacture and, and for the sacks and things like that, to, to find eight wins on the schedule, again, you do get the Browns early for one of those games. You've got some wins in there. I don't hate it at plus 160. Yeah, eight wins would push. You feeling it, Rivers? No, I'm not. I, I, I'm staying away from that one. <laughs> okay. well, how about nobody wants this, I don't think, under six at plus 260. Ooh. I mean, you can you can you can kind of see how that could happen. I think I see how I see how it could happen. The hard schedule, the offense is awful, the defense doesn't rebound. I would put some small units on that. I think, but but I I would feel bad about it because I'm rooting against Mike Tomlin and he's going to crush me. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> You'd be both feeling a little like like bad about yourself and bad about the decision. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my, the uh, the player props and things are pretty weak for the Steelers. Because again, the house doesn't know who the quarterback's going to be. I don't think anybody wants to do like Mitch Trubisky, thirty one hundred yards or some goofy stuff like that. So we have one interesting one here: the Steelers to reach the AFC Championship game. Now again, that's a long shot, but the Steelers to reach the AFC Championship game plus twenty two hundred. Not high enough. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree on that. It's it's once Mike Tomlin makes the playoffs, I feel like he got a chance because he can you know win one of these games, pull one of these games out of his butt or whatever. But yeah, it's 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 that's <laughs> it's a tough sledding to get there. I think. Yeah, it's just not interesting enough for me. It's like oh, we're gonna take the Steelers into the final four. The juice is good. It's just it's, it's I don't have any feel for that as something you know that's really worth putting money on. Thought I'd put it out there. All right. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. We've uh, put them off till now. Uh, we wanted to do a new simulation. The new simulation also has them at 8.1 mean wins, although with lower playoff and Super Bowl championship odds than the Steelers, uh, but higher than the simulation that we did in the book, because in the book we thought Watson would be suspended for the whole year, and now we know Watson will be back for six games. So, you know, we start with the fact that uh, talking about the Cleveland Browns makes everybody feel dirty right now. And that's just, that's just, that's just how it is. But we are football people, and we have to talk about this as a football team, right? Like, 
you know, there are going to be players and they're going to play football and regardless of what happens with Deshaun Watson's legal issues and regardless of what we feel about Deshaun Watson's legal issues, Nick Chubb is still going out there and this offensive line is still going out there and Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward are still going out there. And so, um, Jacoby, you know, what do you guys think about the Cleveland Browns? What do you think, Rivers? I know you love talking about the Browns and writing about them. Oh, yeah, it was the most fun I've ever had in my life, let me tell you. Oh. For those who don't know, I assign chapters before each season. So Rivers, when we assigned Cleveland to Rivers, had no clue he would be writing about Deshaun Watson at all. No, and, and I've been writing about Deshaun Watson for the last four years. So, yeah, it's it's it was a trip. Um, I kind of think they're undervalued right now. I kind okay. of think I kind of think that Brissett is not good, but I think he can be manageable in the system. I think they can play ground and pound. And you look at the early schedule, they've got the Panthers and the Jets. The Steelers, we just talked about, like there is some downfall potential there. Got the Falcons. Like, there are they going to go, you know, six and two while Deshaun's out or whatever? No, they're not. They're not. That's not going to happen. But could they go 500? I think it's in the cards. And once they get him back, and you look at the kind of in stretch here where you got the Bengals, the Ravens, the Saints, uh, they can play in those games now. Like, I think there's a real chance to make the playoffs. Three and one start is possible. Three and one start because right off the bat, you do have Panthers, Jets, Steelers, Falcons. Yep. That's almost, and you're right, the system is designed, the system was designed for a broken shoulder Baker Mayfield to kind of be able to be competitive in a lot. So it can be, Designed for Jacoby Brissett to, to, Brissett to be playing play action, run the ball, and distribute the ball a little bit and not be terrible. Yeah, but, I mean, on the other hand, who's he distributing the ball to? They're, they're not that strong at receiver. No. Right? Cooper, there's Cooper, but they're depending a lot on David Bell, who is a third-round rookie. You don't normally get great performance out of third-round rookies. And we're all waiting for the big Donovan Peoples-Jones breakout. You know, he's got a good DVOA in the past, like in limited sample size. Like, we're all waiting for the big breakout. And then Njoku, who gets paid way more than his production. The Njoku thing is the most fascinating part of this to me because, yeah, as you said, you look at his production and you're like, there's no way anybody should pay this much money for what he does. But clearly they believe in him to some extent. And he's been here, you know, they had opportunities to trade him couple last couple of years. He's still on the roster. They have done that three tight end thing with Austin Hooper. And uh, the UCF guy whose name is escaping me right now. Um, but yeah, they, they have, they clearly think that he's their number Harrison two guy. Harrison Bryant? Is that Harrison Bryant? Harrison yes. Bryant, thank you. Harrison Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that they clearly want him to be the number two at this point. So, yes. and it's interesting to me because when I was doing some fantasy research for this, um, you look at Jacoby Brissett, that was the year he played at the Colts. That was the year that Jack Doyle led the team in targets. And that Jack Doyle was not a good receiver. So, no. Put two and two together, it's like, hmm, this could be an interesting little fantasy thing for Njoku. <laughs> the, um, now, of course, as uh, Purdue Athletic Director Todd Singer knows, David Bell was out for the first part of uh, training camp. He did come back. He did play against the Eagles. Had a couple of catches. Did have a drop along the sidelines. I don't know what his contribution readiness is here as a rookie because he has missed a lot of camp. Isn't the best speed receiver necessarily in the history of uh, football. Anthony Schwartz has been dropping everything coming his way. So he was a guy who we saw a lot last year. Yep. I don't know. I mean, he probably makes the team because they're thin at wide receiver. That's an issue there. 
it's all silent about Donovan Peoples Jones. Like there's like I, I keep waiting to read the article about how this is his year, et cetera. Maybe it's just there's a news, you know, cloud over this team still right now because of Deshaun, but I'm not hearing a lot. It is hard to find the one, two, three, four at wide receiver that gives me anything beyond Cooper than what you're describing, which is oh, two tight ends, Brissett <laughs> throwing to throwing to his tight ends like he did in Indianapolis and hoping for the best. And of course, there's a center issue right now too. Yeah, the Harris going down in the preseason. I think snap two. Um, he was supposed yeah. to be the starting center, and now they're on. Uh, Ethan Pochett. Ethan Pochett. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was so. a professional NFL player who started a lot of games for the Seahawks, but is not necessarily a very good ball player. Yeah, we had Harris up. I think top five in the top twenty-five prospects list. So I mean, we're pretty high on him. Um, this yeah. is definitely a downgrade in, in our eyes. Uh, NFL King E Money six one nine would like everybody to please play under forty one and a half for Cleveland and Carolina in Week One. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Sleepy Time Junction says I've seen some people consider Chubb better than Jonathan Taylor. What could be the motivation for that thought process? So the NFL has a stat that was created in the big data bowl a couple of years ago called rushing yards above expectation. And what it's based on is the down and distance, but also the position of the blockers and the defenders at the time of the handoff. Okay. Based on next gen stats, it then projects how many yards would you expect the running back to get? And Chubb outdoes Taylor in that stat. And that's what the motivation is for that thought process. Well, also, and I put this in his player comment, too. Um, when they stuff the box, when there's eight in the box or, or more, uh, Chubb has been over, rush yards over expectation positive three of the last four years. And he's the only back to ever hit that in any of those seasons. So, I mean, he, what he's doing with kind of what he ha- what he has in front of him is fairly incredible even considering right. how good the line is he plays more stacked defenses and he has his offensive line is well both offensive lines are really good but chubb breaks more tackles and so that's i mean i think that's the motivation for the thought process i don't know if it's you know i don't know if i would take chubb ahead of taylor taylor was so phenomenal last year but that's that's where the motivation is behind that thought process and they're running back, so counting on them moving forward that much is always risky. Yeah, and, and you know, fantasy-wise, it kind of sways public opinion, I feel like. And, and Chubb is like a big fantasy guy because the Browns rotate their backs and they try to keep them fresh and healthy. And, yeah. you know, they have Kareem Hunt. They have a, a bevy of other guys who have shown yeah. pretty good stuff in the past, too. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think that kind of lowers his opinion publicly. I mentioned also that the Browns' defensive tackles look terrible, and I know what I saw. (laughs) I know what I saw. Jacksonville. Yeah, this weekend against the Eagles, those were the backups against the Eagles' backups, and they were getting smoked. Remember, second-string defensive tackles wind up rotating in a lot, and the starters aren't considered very good too. So this is another team that could have trouble stopping the run directly between the tackles. The Browns were only 11th in defensive DVOA. Last year, I feel like in the chapter we explained, you know, why we saw them regressing a little bit, but we're only seeing them regress to 13th. It's really right. that they, as many, uh, this defense, you look at the top tier talent and you're like, this could be really good. Miles Garrett and Denzel, 
uh, and Denzel Ward and John Johnson. And it, it could be really, really good, but it wasn't last year. It was yeah, kind of good. Yeah. Cloudy had 10 sacks too. Uh, but, but as, as you're saying, Mike, the, the, the nose tackle position in particular, like I'm, I'm, that was the hardest part for me trying to, to make the case. That this is going to be a good defense because, you know, you've got, you got some guys there for sure. You got Taven Bryan, you've got uh Togli eye, you, you know, and they're fine. They're fine NFL players, but there's nobody there who's like, oh man, I don't want to run to that guy. Right. Yeah. Right. And that be, before the Deshaun thing, if there was an idea that Deshaun played the whole season, look at this team and say, it's an incomplete team. They spent a lot of money and put a lot of resources and got Amare and got this dude and then, you know, extended board and spent way too much on Joku. It's a very incomplete team. You don't, you don't necessarily look at like other teams that like made these splurges in the offseason and say, wow, they're incomplete. The Browns looked very incomplete before that. And now the quarterback is going to be replaced by a journeyman for 11 games. So I'm having a hard time like seeing their long range vision. And like you said, they might be undervalued at 8.1 wins. I feel like they're right there at 8.1 wins. I feel like that's who they are with a schedule, early schedule, making things look better. Yeah. I kind of see them like I see the Colts last season where, I mean, they won't have the AFC South to beat up on, so right. it won't be quite the same, but but they're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to run play action a lot. Brissette can kind of do those things to some extent, and then you hope the defense is good enough and gets enough takeaways. And I'm not going to say that it's – impossible for them to, to to have a winning record while he's out it's going to be hard but but i do think that they have kind of a formula that can work a little bit in these kind of tight games i feel like they're yeah. going to look like last year's browns a lot of times. <laughs> the post baker is hurt last year's browns uh just, for 11 games you know just to give the numbers three years ago Brissett was reasonable Brissett started almost the entire year for Indianapolis and ended up with a 2.6% passing PPOA. Right. Last year, he was horrible, minus 22.9%. Right. And this is, you know, the offensive line matches what he had in Indianapolis when he replaced Andrew Luck after Andrew Luck retired. But I don't think the receiving core does. No. And no. last year, it was Looney Tunes, the, the, the offense for the Dolphins overall with those dueling coordinators, and that terrible offensive line was a mess. But like like going all the way back to the one really good, quote-unquote, Brissette year where the team didn't really accomplish much anyway, I, I, I don't see that guy. I think that was the aberration year. And like the sort of low-level, get-you-through-a-couple-of-weeks journeyman backup is the guy we're talking about. I, I yeah. want to – sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's really interesting to me, like knowing what we know now, we didn't know then. Um, the team has a lot of cap space still, but they also traded away Case Keenum, who I think you could make an argument is better than Jacoby Brissett to the right, Bills yeah. to try to free things up for more flexibility. And, and like, I wonder going back now, if they knew what they did, you know, now what they did then, if they would have done that trade the same way. Right. I don't want to talk too much about the scandal, but I will just take Bill Houston's question about whether I think the Watson scandal smears Brown's management and will they get scapegoated if Brown's finish under six wins? I think that no matter what happens to the Browns this year, everybody who's a Cleveland fan who's not offended by the Watson trade will write it off as, well, we didn't have Watson this year but we have it next year. And I think that's how, I don't think anybody's going to scapegoat the management. Now, 
if next year comes along and they don't win a bunch of games, yes, then people will be angry. And when you talk about scapegoating, Haslam, who 100% was the guy behind this decision, will blame everybody below him and go on a firing spree. He will have zero memory about how, forget signing off, he was actively pursuing this, et cetera, and he will rip everybody below him for this. But you're right. I think it will be a mulligan year, assuming assuming nothing else bad happens off the field and assuming that, you know, when Deshaun comes back, he looks adequate and it looks like the plan. Right. Like if, if Brissett is bad, but Watson is adequate, but right. it means that they finish six and 11, like our Browns fans going to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe we spent so much money on Jadavian Clowney. Like, no, they're going to write off the year and be like, next year we have Watson. And yeah, like that's how they're going to think. <laughs> But the thing about that is the plan for next year is not coherent either. They're going to be about $30, $40 million over the cap starting next year. Uh, the Watson contract is not something you can fiddle around with particularly well. They will not have first-round picks. So the idea is we can come back without getting any better. You're, you're still not going to have – you know you have to find your number two, number three receiver, find your defensive tackles, do some of these other things you'll have to do, et cetera, et cetera. It's not a coherent two-, three-, four-year plan no matter what, but – that's that's just how the Browns operate, you know. It's it's, it's very and important. it's how Haslam operates. If we believe, if we believe that this was Haslam's decision, yeah, that this decision comes from the top, it's not like he probably like sat down with Andrew Barry and said, "Okay, now prepare for me a four-year plan for what happens if we trade for Deshaun Watson." He probably said, "Trade for Deshaun Watson, right?" And the we'll plan, fill it in here. The plan, Mike, is to be the Rams, but except you don't have those first round picks to keep trading. At this point, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you didn't have the nucleus in place to do this, and you didn't have a coherent forward plan for this. You just said they did it. My millionaire buddy, billionaire buddy, did it. I'm going to do it too. And yeah, that's- I mean, it's an interesting thought. They have Donald. We have Miles Garrett. They have Ramsey. We have Denzel Ward. Yeah. They have Stafford. We have Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it's all it takes is four oh. famous guys, and we're going to win a Super Bowl too. I mean, that's very Haslam-y logic, but, you know. Do we have any interesting Cleveland Browns props? Here's what's interesting, because they're having a totally normal one in Cleveland right now. There are no player props, and there are no <laughs> alternate spreads posted right now. A week after, so a week to adjust everything, uh, the, 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 the Watson decision. And there's no, you can't get a Nick Chubb bet. You can't get a David Joku bet. You can't get Miles Garrett over under 12 and a half. Nothing like that is posted. I'm guessing it'll stabilize soon, but that shows what terra incognito we're in right now, that the house does not know how to react to this. If it was a quarterback injury, they probably would have reacted by now, but with this there right now, everything's off the board. Well, I I think they, they did bring up in the, course of this that he has to go to all these treatment sessions or whatever right i wonder if they're worried that he might not make all those treatment sessions or fulfill the terms or or whatever at this point they're going they're going to be zoom meetings by the way it'll be clear (laughs) he will i I hope you will make him of course i thought he was going to apologize like a normal human last week anyway but (laughs) i think that's going to be one of those it's going to get blue skied no matter what type of situations so and i don't want to consider other possibilities that could happen Field, so. it, it will be interesting to see what happens with the Browns and how we talk about them when they play their two primetime games. Ugh. Because they are in primetime Thursday night of week three, Pittsburgh, and Monday night of week eight, Cincinnati. 
And Sunday night uh, against the Texans in week 13, probably. <laughs> oh, you think it's going to get flex up? I don't think they're going to do that. I, no, I, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I think they're going to hide that game. I think the I NFL is going to blow that. I don't. I don't really think that. I just. Uh, <laughs> what what a time! What a time to be alive! Well, when it happens, when if it happens, get your get your credential, get to that game, <laughs> and get in there and ask the tough questions for us, Rivers. Yeah. Uh, I, I just I, I would be afraid of leaving that game. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's going to be a. A, a cynical scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, let's finish up today's live stream and podcast. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you all for commenting live. Uh, remember, if you're listening to us afterwards, we do these live 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, right now, Tuesday and Thursday, but coming soon, every day there will be live streams and you want to be on live on YouTube or Twitch so that you can make comments and ask us questions. Um, don't forget to buy Football Outsiders Almanac because Mike is holding the book right now. Upside down, but you should also buy it right side <laughs> up if you don't have a copy yet. Buy Football Outsiders Almanac 2022 and become an FO Plus subscriber and go to Football Outsiders, where I've posted about all the new things coming to FO Plus this year, if you want to be an FO Plus subscriber. Brand new Monday stat uploads, where we're going to update the stats on Mondays for FO Plus subscribers, not just on Tuesdays. Uh, brand new a filter DVOA by week. Uh, brand new some of the ads are gone if you're an FO Plus subscriber. And a brand new big weekly preview column from Derek Klassen with a bunch of film research that is going to be part of an FO Plus subscription. And Sunday Discord. So, folks, if you are a Discord user, you can yeah. get on. If you're not a Discord user, it's free. Sign up. It's easy. There's all kind of video gaming stuff you can do there. And you can hang out with us on Sundays. Brian Knowles. And I hear Rivers McNown is going to be there from noon to midnight every Sunday. Uh, and he will... He will not be. But we will all be stopping in to chat on a Discord channel, hashtag Football Outsiders. So if you're a Discord user, get involved. Come hang out with some of us. Yes, come talk to us on the new Football Outsiders Discord. That link is uh, going to be up. And yes, Audible, Audible's is now going to be a live blog on Sundays. Yes. So Audible's will be being updated live on the site on Sundays by Brian Knowles. So lots of changes. Check out the post at footballoutsiders.com going through all these changes. Okay, next week's live streams, the last Football Outsiders Almanac preview shows start Tuesday at 1 p.m. where Mike and Derek Klassen and I will be doing the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers and talking about Mike and Derek's big Matt Ryan bet. So there'll be a little Indianapolis Colts discussion too. And then Thursday of next week, we finish up with the Las Vegas Raiders and Kansas City Chiefs. Don't we have a fantasy draft? Oh, my God, I forgot the fantasy draft. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Monday, Monday at 1 p.m., we're doing a fantasy mock draft show. Yes. Oh, my God, I should have said something at the top of the show. I'm saying it now. 1 p.m., Monday, live fantasy mock draft show. We'll do the first four rounds or so of the mock draft with eight football outsiders writers right here, 1 p.m. Eastern Monday. Thank you for reminding me, Mike. Oh, my God. I can't believe I almost forgot that. So I will be drinking, folks. I will be drinking. So Mike will be done, and Mike will be drinking. Watch Mike play fantasy football Monday, Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern.
All right, that does it for this show. Thank you, Rivers. Thank you, Mike. Everyone have a good weekend. We will see you Monday, Monday at 1 p.m. for our Fantasy Mock Draft. See you then.